Thank you, Jai. I actually spent six months in Nepal doing the trekking uh, about 30 years ago. It was a great experience. If you have uh, anyone who is keen uh, to do that, uh, fantastic. <coughs> we walked for 12 hours giving out tracks and selling the gospel pack and all that. And sometimes no place to stay. We just live in a hut. And, but I don't think it's that bad now. Well, there's an interesting story about a young pastor applying for a job in a countryside. And, uh, and he was fronted by this group of people, the searching committee, to uh, interview him. And they asked him, Sam, what part of the Bible do you like the best? So, well, sir, I like the New Testament the best. What book in the New Testament you like the best? He said, the book of parables. He said, which parable do you like the most? He said, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then they said, would you please kindly relate this parable to this committee? And he said, well, can, definitely. Once there was this man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked him. And as he went on, he didn't have any money. He met the queen of Sheba. And she gave him a thousand talents of gold. He got into a chariot and drove furiously. And when he was driving under the thick branches of a large oak tree, his head got caught on the branches of the tree. And he hung there many days and many nights. And the raven brought him food to eat and waters to drink. And he ate five thousand loaves of bread and two fishes. And one night when he was hanging there asleep, his wife Delilah came and cut off his hair and he dropped and fell on stony ground. But he got up and went on and it began to rain. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. He hid himself in a cave and he lives on locusts and honey. And then he went on and met a servant who said, Come and let's have supper together and he make an excuse and said, no, I won't because I just married a wife and I can't go. And the servant went out into the highway and byway and compelled everybody to come. And after supper, he went on and came down to Jericho. And when he got there, he looked up and he saw the old queen Jezebel sitting, down, sitting high up on the window. And she laughed at him and he said, throw her down. And they threw her down. And then he said, throw her down again. And they threw her down again, 70 times 7. And of the fragments that remained, they pick up 12 baskets full beside women and children. And they say, blessed are the peacemaker, P-I-E-C-E. Now whose wife do you think she will be in the resurrection? There was no one in the committee who felt qualified to question the candidate further and he was accepted as their pastor. Well, let me say that if you don't know the Bible, you probably won't appreciate this joke, isn't it? Because this, this parable is all mixed up with all kinds of parables and form it into a parable. We have been plowing through uh, this topic called the five habits of highly missional people based on uh, the book by Michael Frost. Um, 
we have worked through this because we think this is a mission month and all of us Christians, we are to be a missionaries. We may not be missionary overseas, but we are missionaries in the sense uh, living our lives as Christian here on earth. And so we think, how can we be a little bit more missioner as a believer? What can we do as a believer to be a bit more missioner, to be more uh, aware of uh, these kind of things around us? And, we, and the author basically say, well, if you want to be a bit more missioner and a bit more intentional, then you have to cultivate five habits. He said you have to cultivate five habits. The first is based on the acronym called BELLS, B-E-L-L-S. And the first letter B is, means BLESS. If we seek to bless people, you will cultivate the value of being generous. So I hope you have been doing that. We can always use our life as a blessing, whether it's through words or through gifts or through whatever means or words of encouragement. We are always there looking out intentionally to bless people around us. And then you cultivate the value of being generous. And then the second uh, habit Michael Frost mentioned is eat. Sometimes eating with people is a way of fellowship. It's a way to cultivate the value of being hospitable. And then we talk about listen. We need to listen to God, listen in His Word. Because when we listen to God, we are more inclined towards say, Framing the situation, saying, God, what do you want me to do? You have this habit of learning to listen to God, then you will be more spirit-led. And then today, we want to look at the word learned. In order to be a bit more missioner, we need to continue to learn the word of God. Allowing the word of God to fill our mind. Or Michael Frost says, to marinate your mind. Someone said that we are into microwaving, but God is always into marinating. So we need to marinate our minds so that our views, our worldview is biblical worldview. That we can evaluate things based on seeing through the lens of scripture, in a sense. So learning is, is a way to become more missioner. And then, uh, next week, Pastor Caroline will finish off with the word sent to summarize up the uh, series. But today, I want to uh, take you down a pathway of learning in the way of the gospel. One of my concerns as a pastor is that we are hearing the gospel that is not of the scripture. We are going to study the book of Galatians in the month of June onwards, six chapters. We're going to study the book because Paul was concerned about what actually was happening. They are receiving a gospel that is not the gospel. And he write the letter to correct it, to make them recognize and realize the true gospel. There are several different gospels that have been floating around, prosperity gospel, Therapeutic gospel, legalistic gospel, social gospel. There's some of us we may lose what is the purity of the gospel. I was just, uh, they just reminded me 
this morning the word, I was asking Lorna yesterday, what is this game that you have a group of people standing in one line and then you pass, say something, and then this person pass to the next person, this person pass to the next person, and then come to the last person, you actually get the different message from what it was passed down. And then they shouted, Chinese whispers! I said, oh, it's called Chinese whisper. Now you know, right? Do you know it was a Chinese whisper, this game? Uh, Sometimes I feel the gospel, if you don't go to the source, then we get distracted. We, the gospel becomes something else. And so I hope this morning, in, in, in line with Mission Man, that there's one thing that we can learn. Uh, of course, learning the scripture, filling our mind. But I want to take you through a simple Bible study and let you see that the entrance to be a Christian, to en- embracing the gospel, is one word, and that is repentance. It is very essential. I'm going to show you. You can judge for yourself. I'm going to show you from Scripture the gospel that John the Baptist preached, the gospel that Jesus preached, the gospel that the disciples preached, the gospel that Peter preached in the early church, the gospel that Paul preached. And I'm going to lay it out to you and you draw your conclusion whether or not repentance is essential to salvation. My great concern is that we don't know we don't know we no longer need to repent to become a Christian. I'm gonna show you so I'm gonna zoom in, all right. This missionary habit of learning because of gospel, we, I want to focus on it. First and foremost, John the Baptist. John the Baptist burst into the scene after four hundred years of silence. Old Testament, New Testament, and then 400 years silent, called the inter-testament period. 400 years, God was silent. There was no prophet, no one. Silent for 400 years. And then the John the Baptist burst into the scene. And what did he say? He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. And then in Mark chapter 1, Jesus, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And what did Jesus say? The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. 400 years, the kingdom of God has dawned. And then in Luke chapter 5, in the context of Matthew, or Levi, he became a disciple of Jesus, the tax collector. He was a tax collector. And Jesus was having food with him. And, and the Pharisees were lurking behind and watching Jesus' every move, singing the song, every move you make, every step you make. They are watching Jesus and he was wondering how come he was eating with with the tax collectors, the sinners. So they asked the disciples, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And this is what Jesus said. It is not a healthy who need a doctor, but a sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then in Luke chapter 13, these people questioned Jesus. They asked Jesus, he said, how, how does this square up? He, he said, he Jesus, there, there are some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans 
whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. This group of Galileans, they went and offered sacrifices to God and then Pilate and the rest killed them. So they were just curious. They say, why these people bring sacrifices to God? God never protect them and let them die. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no, Jesus said, not at all. Jesus said, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And then he went on to give another example. This 18 fellow who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them. And Jesus again said, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? That's what we like to think, isn't it? Sometimes you see a Christian suffer, or maybe he lives in sin, maybe he's suffering, you know. Do you, Jesus, Jesus said, do you think they, they were guilty than all other living in Jerusalem? He said, no, unless you repent, you too will all perish. And then the disciple of Jesus, when Jesus spent time, selected the 12 disciples, trained them, he sent them out to preach the gospel. This is what he says in Mark chapter 6. They went out and preached that people should repent. People should repent. That is what they were asked to go and preach. And how about the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the prodigal son? All clearly implied that repentance is so essential to salvation. Remember the story about the lost sheep, right? And after one is found, Jesus said, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And the same thing about the parable of the lost coin, drawing the analogy and say, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I'll tell you the prodigal son a little bit later on. And how about the story of the rich man and the Lazarus that Pastor Caroline preached some months ago? It's a difficult one to preach. I'm glad I'm not the one. And uh, it's about the rich man and the Lazarus. The rich man died and he went to Hades and was in torment. And Lazarus, the beggar, also died and went into the bosom of Abraham. And of course, the rich man said, let me out here so that I can warn my brothers not to come here. And this is what Abraham replied, his request. No, they have Moses, the prophets. Let them listen to them. And then he said, no, 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 Father Abraham. He said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. See the word repent? They will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Some people are just committed to not believing. doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter what they see, they are committed to not believing. Period. So Jesus preached repentance. John the Baptist preached repentance. The disciple preached repentance. And the sinner here understood repentance. 
And then in Luke chapter 24, you know the story of what they call the road on the road the road to Emmaus? Because Jesus died, rose from the died, and then resurrected. And then these two men, he, they were walking, they were just talking about what's happening over the last couple of weeks about Jesus and all that. And then Jesus appeared to them in Luke chapter 24. And Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And Jesus told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer. He said, this is what is written in the Old Testament, all right? So the outplay of Jesus down the cross is all written. It's been forecast, it's been prophesied in the Old Testament. How come you don't know? This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer. He will rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations. In other words, we are called to preach repentance. It's part and parcel of what it means to embrace the gospel. So that is the gospel. Let me move on now to Acts. Acts is early church. After Jesus died, rose from the dead, resurrected, ascended to heaven, Holy Spirit came upon them the day of Pentecost, and now the gospel is going to spread in Jerusalem first and then to other parts of the world. So Acts chapter 1 to 12 is in Jerusalem. Peter is known as the apostle to the Jew. And then chapter 12 onwards, chapter 13 onwards to the end of Acts, the focus shifts to Paul, because Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. So you can see that book of Acts is the transition time. Huh? It's a transition time of gospel exclusively to the Jewish people now is going to the other parts of the world. And I want to trace and look at what Peter preached and what Paul preached. It's the same. First message that Peter preached, when the people heard this, the, the message, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostle, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. And then the second message that he preached, he said, You disown the Holy and Righteous One and ask that a murderer be released to you. Who was the murderer? Barabbas. You killed the author of life. Strange word, isn't it? You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the, that, and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord. What a beautiful word, isn't it? So that your sins may be wiped out and the times of refreshing may come 
from the Lord. Remember I said there is a transition time from the Jews to the Gentiles. Peter is apostle to the Jew and now slowly, slowly the gospel is going out to the Gentile. Gentile is beginning to believe. And so Peter still has to report to the leadership because they are in a shock of this gospel is going to the Gentiles. And so here in chapter 3, see what Peter says to the group of leaders. When they heard this, meaning the leaders, when they heard this, they had no further objections that the gospel is going to the Gentiles. And they praised God saying, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Repentance that leads to life. So that's the ending of Peter, this gospel preaching to the Jews. Now, move on, chapter 13 onwards, the baton hand over to Paul, who is now on full throttle in bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And look at what he preached. Look at what he says, all right? In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, and now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, which is Jesus, of course. He has given proof of this to everyone by, rising, by raising him from the dead. So Paul preached repentance too. And then Paul planted a church in Ephesus. And he is going to Jerusalem. He's departing Ephesus. And you need to give some advice to the church leaders. And this is what he says. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then fast forward down to chapter 26 in the book of Acts. Now Paul stood before King Agrippa for trial and see what he said to King Agrippa. He said, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Remember, he was in Damascus Road and then the, the, he showed a light, his conversion experience. He said, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus and then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea and then now to the Gentiles. He said, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. I'll come back to that. Hold that phrase in mind. Because true repentance will always be accompanied by deeds. Alright? Always accompanied by deeds. And Paul even added by saying, that is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me because I said that. And when Paul writes letters to all these churches, Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says this, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and pain? Why is God so kind and so patient? What for? God's kindness is for what? is intended to lead you to repentance. That is his kindness, his generosity, his patience, is to give you time to come to repentance. John the Baptist, 
preaching get to repentance. Jesus preaching get to repentance. Jesus disciples preaching get to repentance. Peter's preaching get to repentance. Paul's preaching get to repentance. And even the work of God get to produce repentance. Second Peter 3 verse 9. For those who are familiar with scripture, this is a very familiar verse. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. Because they were saying, why Jesus is not returning yet? How come? We are still waiting for His return. He said, no, no, no. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So he's not returning, he's holding back so that more will repent. So this verse almost tells us that repentance is synonym, almost the same as salvation. There can be no believing without repentance and there can be no salvation without repentance. It is an element within the saving work of God. And even some verses in the Bible may not be explicitly mentioned the word repentance, but it's implicitly implied, obviously, like this verse. We are familiar with this verse, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. It's about repentance, deny yourself. You take up your cross and follow Jesus. And that is a symbolic way of baptism, isn't it? Remember baptism? Why Baptists practice uh, the full immersion, because full immersion best captured what it means to become a Christian. Whereas sprinkling and pouring cannot capture that, that complete symbolic meaning. Because baptism means you immerse, you die to yourself, you bury it with Christ, you're dead, and then you raise up as a new man. Deny yourself, take up the cross. And follow Jesus. A.W. Tozer, a classic author. Interestingly, he has never been to Bible college, but he has wrote an incredible number of books. Uh, he wrote this even many years ago, before our time. These are true prophet. He said, if I see aright, the cross of popular evangelicalism is not the cross of the New Testament. It is rather a new bright ornament upon the bosom of a self-assured and carnal Christianity. The old cross slew men. The new cross entertains them. The old cross condemns. The new cross amuses. The old cross destroys confidence in the flesh. The new cross encourages it. Repentance is not just a change of mind, it is a change of life. We are all familiar with this parable. Howard preached this parable during the camp. I preached this many times. If I have a chance to preach a parable, I will always pick this. Some of you would have noticed I preached this a number of times here at church as well. Because the story about two men, two prayers, two attitudes, Two verdicts. I like this parable because I always feel as Christian, as we grow as a Christian, 
one of the danger, one of the things we have to guard against my own heart is the word self-righteousness. I have to guard against my heart. Somehow when you're immersed in an environment for too long, you're beginning to view it differently. And if there is a hierarchy of sin in the Bible, which I don't know whether there is or not, I do think that self-righteousness must be ranked somewhere up there. Because Jesus' harshest words tend to reserve for the Pharisee. Two men, two prayers, two attitudes, and two verdicts. We know the story about a Pharisee and the tax collector. They cannot be more in opposing status. Pharisee, the elite, and the tax collector who is the scum of the earth. It cannot be too different, right? Extreme. And it is precisely this extreme that Jesus wants to draw a, a, a verdict out of it. That this man, this Pharisee, went up and said, Oh God, you know, I'm so good. I thank you that I'm not like the other people, you know. I'm not a robbers, I'm not an evildoers, I'm not a adulterers, or even like these tax collectors. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. What is he praying about? He's singing his own righteousness. Did you know that in the Old Testament, you are asked only to fast once a year? This guy fasts twice a week, which means 104 times a year. And he gives a tenth of all, everything. Not just the money, everything, including his, his mint, his grass, his everything. You know, do extra. Maybe he's Singaporean, I don't know. But yet the tax collectors don't even dare to look up to heaven, beat his chest, and say, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And you know what's the verdict? The verdict, Jesus says, this man, this come of the earth, this come of the earth, went home justified, and not that guy who fasted 104 times a year and give a tenth of everything. This scum of the earth went home justified. Why? Because he repents. He acknowledges his sin. Pharisee is hard on others and always easy on himself. But a spiritual man is always easy on others and very hard on himself because they have an eye on their own sinfulness, recognizing their own sinfulness. Regret, remorse, repentance. The Bible talks about repentance, not regret. Regret is touching only your mind. You recognize, and most likely is what you've done to yourself, you regret. Just like many of us, we live with a lot of regrets. We should have done this, we should have done that. As we look back, I should be a better mother here and there. We, you know, we regret. It touches our mind. And then another deeper level is remorse. It touches your heart. Most likely, you know that you, what you have done to others, you feel remorse. But the biblical word is repentance. Repentance touches the will. Not just your mind, not just your heart, but your will. 
And the recognition is that you have offended against God. Not yourself, not others, but God. And the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son gives us this illustration. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. This is repentance because he recognized the wrongdoing is not just towards his father, but it's to God. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Go back and read Luke chapter 15 on this parable. You will find out that later on when the son, what he planned to do and what he eventually met the father, he didn't get a chance to finish his sentence. The last bit of the sentence, he got no chance because he was so overwhelmed because of the father saying, no, no, no need to say anymore. It's almost like saying, no need to complete your sentence. And Lembrand, this is painting by Lembrand, uh, Henry Nowen, a uh, Catholic priest, he spent many, many months just sitting in front of this, this uh, picture in St. Peter, Petersburg, the Hermitage. So I sat there for many months looking and meditated on this picture. And then he said, if you look carefully, Rembrandt painted the two hands differently. On the left hand is a masculine hand, but on the right hand is a feminine hand. The Father heart of God is both feminine and masculine. God is not a man, he's not a... It's both embracing the son back because he repent. He say, I've sinned against heaven and against you. That is true. Billy Graham, the 20th century, the greatest evangelist, he preached probably a few hundred thousand times the gospel. He said, only as we bow in contrition, confession and repentance at the foot of the cross can we find forgiveness. There is the grace of God. Contrition, confession, repentance. Through repentance is not just intellectually or emotionally, but volitionally. The will, it must touch us, your will. Not just your mind, not just your emotion, but your will. Because when it touches your will, you will produce the fruit of repentance. And that becomes true repentance. Where there is no fruit that accompanies the repentance, that is not repentance. Repentance followed and bear fruits. That is true conversion. A transformed person. The Holy Spirit will come upon the person and transform it. It's the work of God. It's the work of God. Look at what Paul said. You produce, as I said just now, I left off this. I said, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. Let me show you a few examples. 
And then I'll close. When John the Baptist preached, he said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Which other words to say that repentance always has fruits. And all these people heard him preaching about this. They said to him, so what should we do then? The crowd asked him. What do you mean by produce fruit in keeping with repentance? He said, well, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has the food, has food, should do the same. And the tax collectors came to be baptized. They said, well, how about us? What should we do as tax collector? Now that I'm repentant, what should I do? Should I quit my job? He said, no. Don't collect any more than you are required to. Act with integrity. Don't cheat. Don't lie. That's it. Stay on the job. Then some soldiers asked him, and what about us? He replied, well, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Because obviously the soldiers extort, you know, they are under Roman and they are given to the tax collectors to enforce people to pay tax. And usually they are being forced to pay more than what they are due. And finally, the true repentance that comes with fruits is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the top tax collector. Matthew was under him. He's the chief. Remember the story about him, currency Jesus, he has to climb up on this sycamore tree, looking down because he was so short. And he said, well, Jesus looked at him. Instead of waiting for his invitation, Jesus said, I'm coming to your house for food. He self-invited himself. And so all the people saw this as Jesus went to Zacchaeus' place for food. And of course, who are Zacchaeus' friends? They are tax collectors. Yeah? He's, we Malay, we call kaki, your friends, your... And then all these people began to martyr, all these Pharisees say, he has gone to the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possession to the poor. And if I, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. True repentance, right? Repentance produces fruit. I have cheated, I go back and correct it. And what did Jesus say? Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Repentance that produces fruits consistent with your profession. It must touch just your will, not just your mind, not just your heart. Your will that will consistent with your profession. 
Why? Because it's not your work. The Holy Spirit will be able to empower you to do what is the thing. Now the first service, I don't have chance to close this off. But let me just lend two minutes of your time and I close. There's this story in the Bible, it's about two men who had two sons. Well, this man who has two sons. He went to the first son and said to the first son, Son, go and work in the vineyard. But the son said, I will not. But later on, he changed his mind and he went. The father went to the other son and said the same thing. Son, go and work in the vineyard. The son said, I will, Dad. But he did not go. And so Jesus asked this to the Pharisee. Which of these two sons you think did what his father wanted? Is it the first son? Or is it the later one? And all of them said, the first one, they answered. Then Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. You know, there are people who pretend to be obedient, but are actually rebels in their heart. And there are people who begin as rebels, but repent. Of course, Jesus told this parable for the benefits of the Pharisee who did not view themselves as sinful and disobedient. And when he asked them which son did the, did the will of his father, they correctly answered. And in admitting that, they condemned themselves for their own hypocrisy. The Pharisee live under the delusion that God approves of them because they make a great show of their religion. The problem that it was only a show. They were like the son who said he would obey but did not. Their claim that they loved God and kept his law amounted to nothing. Whereas the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they have an easier time than Pharisees getting into the kingdom. Why? Because they are more likely to recognize their sin and they repent of it. I hope and I pray that you remember this. This gospel message comes from repentance. Only when you repent, true Life can come to your life. Holy Spirit will empower you and you will see life differently. As difficult as it is in Australian society to talk about that, but this is our gospel message. We have no rights to change it. The entrance is this way. We cannot change it. No matter who they are, no matter how our heart feels, the entrance is is through repentance. 
Father God, we know as difficult as it is uh, in this culture to talk about wrong because there's no wrong anymore. Nothing is wrong anymore. Everything can be explained away. You can fly in someone with a doctor in front of their name in psychology or whatever to explain away all these things. But heart of it all, the scripture tells us, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And that has to deal with it first. All other forms of treatment, as helpful as it is, they are only bandaging the issue. The heart of the problem is our heart. And that is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Lord, help us not to settle for anything less other than what your word says. Help us to be confident in your word. We are here not to be a salesman. Marketing. We are here to proclaim your word that can produce true change, true repentance. Thank you, Lord. I pray for anyone here this morning who has not given their heart to Jesus. They want to die to themselves and take up the cross and follow Jesus. Lord, may your Holy Spirit open their eyes of the need to do so, that they can truly become a true follower of Jesus Christ. As we sing this closing hymn, Lord, remind us of the beauty of Jesus from birth to death to his return in the future. We look forward to the day. Amen.